Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about a movie that came out much earlier this year, um, but it's one that I've been wanting to do an episode on for a while now, and it's now out on VOD as of this week, and we finally have an episode on it. Uh, that movie is, of course, Alita Battle Angel from director Robert Rodriguez and producer James Cameron. And, of course, uh, based on the popular manga that's been around since the 90s, I believe. And this movie has actually been in the works since, God, almost the 90s or something like that. A long, long time. This has been a uh, passion project for James Cameron, and it's finally out. And uh, it has a legion of uh, dedicated fans out there. Um, but then it also got a pretty mixed uh, response when it actually came out. But those of us who loved this movie are hoping that it did well enough. And it, you know, it kind of did do well enough. But I mean, there's there's a little bit of a, uh, a thing around this movie. But I, I hope it did well enough that we're going to get sequels because this is a world I want to go back to. It is a very fun movie. And, you know, if you know what kind of movie you're getting into, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. So uh, we're going to get into all of that and a lot more in the conversation with Mike from the Exiles Network. It's his first time on the show, so when we get into the conversation, we'll let him uh, let you guys know a little bit more about what the Exiles Network is. Uh, but before we do get into that conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, if it's your first time listening to the show... Please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review us, of course. And you can also find us on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and a whole bunch of other podcast apps. And you can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. All right, I've been waiting to do this episode for a while. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right, so with us today, we've got Millennial Mike from The Exiles, who I met on film Twitter a while back, and now he's here on the show. Mike, I'm glad to have you here. I'm very glad to be here. Um, I love your guys' podcast. Uh, well, is, <laughs> I, always, I always assume everybody has like a whole like battalion of people. I love your podcast, Dave. It's great. <laughs> I uh, I listen to it very regularly, so I'm, I'm really happy to be on here and to uh, be breaking down one of, if not perhaps my favorite movie of the year. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you for the, the kind words about the podcast. But I I want to say right here at the beginning, and then I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit to, uh, to the listeners. But since you said it's your favorite movie of the year, possibly, I loved this freaking movie. And I don't understand a lot of people who didn't like it, but we will get into that as we're continuing this oh, conversation. Yeah, sure. Why don't we first, uh, since it's your first time on the show, you could tell little people about what it is you do. Um, well, uh, podcasting is, uh, is my game. I got into it about seven, eight months ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not familiar guys uh it's the film exiles um if you haven't heard of us yet we're uh we're a very new podcast relatively but we're definitely uh starting to make a name for ourselves i guess for better or for worse but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but you'll you'll find that out all in due time but um you know really we all just got started with this podcast um because we were really 
you know, just kind of wanting to get our voice out as, as anyone uh, who does podcasting does. And um, it's really, you know, started to blossom into something uh, that's been really re- rewarding and really fulfilling. Um, we have uh, we have a, a website going going up. We have a YouTube channel. So things have really been been going very well. Um, it, me and uh, my friend Manu are the ones mm-hmm. who kind of built this, uh, the podcast together. And we kind of, it's funny because we all really started um, on Twitter. It's funny how Twitter brings people together as yeah. well as, you know, tears them asunder, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, <laughs> just for depends. Sure. But um, we all kind of started like, you know, and it, I, I started a Twitter DM and it was kind of for for fans of the Man of Steel, Batman v Superman kind of uh, community because, um, you know, it's kind of hard to find some people uh, that are positive about it. So sure. it kind of started maybe two, three years ago. And as time kind of went on, we're like, you know what? Like, we could sit here and, you know, wallow in our own self-pity or we could maybe create a podcast about films that we like. So that's kind of how we all got started. And ever since then, it's turned into, you know, something bigger. So um, we'll definitely, I, I'm sure at the end of this podcast, we'll probably have some place for some plugs if I be, if sure. I may be so shameless. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Chad Clinton Freeman, if you are listening, you need to become friends with Mike here because, uh, as we all know, Chad's favorite movie of all time is Batman v Superman. And he would love to, uh, I'm sure chat with you guys about Oh, wow. That. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, going on there, huh? yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're an excellent, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so Alita battle angel. Um, it, it, and you know, rem- Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we first connected on Twitter because I had posted something about wanting to do an episode, and then it just never quite worked out. But mm. um, back when the movie first came out in theaters, and I think you had responded, and then that's when we got connected. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, it's funny because with Alita Battle Angel, and we'll, I guess we're going to talk more about it later. But mm-hmm. it was very um, strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from its inception from its you know from the early uh press and and the casting news and just kind of the the first trailer and everything it was very it was definitely an enigma mm-hmm. and i think that it turned out to be something um a lot greater than i think anyone was expecting not necessarily from just a pure fiscal standpoint but just from the uh the fandom and the community um there's i haven't seen quite I haven't seen anything grow as fast and stay as strong as this Mm -hmm. on anything like, you know, current. So it's kind of interesting, you know, to see kind of the atmosphere um, developing around this movie and uh, and the fandom. Because it's sure with with fandom and blockbuster films nowadays, it's very um, there's not a lot of franchises that stay around for a long time. So it's, it's interesting to see kind of like, you know, how strongly the community is latched on. Yeah. And I mean, the, the people who are out there who love this movie, absolutely love it. I mean, we're all, you know, we really want to see a sequel. We want to, we're, we're looking forward to the home release. You know, people, people really did connect with it in a pretty major way. The people who did. And I, it is a movie that unfortunately I think a lot of people kind of had it out for beforehand. Um, I would admit up front that I thought it looked ridiculous with the first Mm. trailer and the second, trailer kind of won me over to where I was like you know what actually this might be good after all and then I went and saw I was blown away and I was like okay yeah I love this movie to be honest I was a little bit concerned myself because it was one of those movies because around the same time this trailer came out I believe the trailer for uh, Mortal Engines was also Mm -hmm. out as well absolutely the similarities to both movies well there were some Um, they were heavily a uh, heavy CG, cyberpunkish, dystopian-ish mm-hmm. um, movies with um, young cast, young uh, young leads, and uh, they were they were produced by big names. Yes, yes, and kind of have like a director that they were mentoring, um, and but but the name of the producer was basically what was selling both products <laughs> right right and um so i was really really excited for both of uh, both films actually i think i saw mortal engines first 
And to say, well, I definitely saw Mortal Engines first because it came out late last year. Um, right, right. But to say that, um, well, I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it bluntly. <laughs> I, was dis- I, was, I was disappointed. So, um, you know, to, to see, because uh, it was who it was, uh, I'm trying to remember who did the, um, who actually directed uh, that movie. I don't recall the name of the director. Yeah. Because Christian Rivers, it was the director, I believe. Mm. And the uh, producer, um, see here, whose name was it? Uh, yeah, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. The big exactly. name they put on it. Exactly, exactly. And it's really hard to tell from just the trailer, you know, really the whole film. But it, it had that kind of, you know, scope and that kind of, you know, uh, fantasy vibe to it that may be something that uh peter jackson would do so you know my anticipation for this was high so and yeah, and, yeah. and when that came out i was like and i saw it i was like oh man you know james cameron i mean you know his name's attached but is it going to end up like this so i was i had my concerns you know too i wasn't yeah. all just just hype well you know speaking of james cameron um why don't we get into some puzzle pieces i'll kick it off with the first one here great um and that would be uh avatar james cameron's avatar mm. um so i think uh <laughs> yeah I, I i know uh so i've i've said this before avatar first one or two times at the theater, I was super in, and then it started wearing off its welcome. And then I tried to watch it once at home, and I was like, "What the hell is this? This sucks." But mm. regardless, though, I think the um, the drive to push technology forward um, is something that has always existed in James Cameron's work. And Avatar, of course, is one of the biggest. Uh, well, it is the biggest movie ever, still. But mm. um, the the drive to t- move technology forward, it was the biggest technological leap. And honestly, before that, it may have been Terminator Two. Um, and I didn't have that as a puzzle piece, but uh, it very well may have been before that. And I do believe that a big goal of this movie, Alita, was to continue that push. And I think the character of Alita um, is just so beautifully rendered and such a uh, just such an incredible piece of computer generated imagery oh, yeah. that it's uh, I, I think it was completely successful and you know there was a lot of talk about whether or not you know the anime eyes and all that were too much and and you know got to creepy territories and whatnot mm-hmm. but I mean it whether it was too much for some people or not, it certainly accomplished what it was going for. And it it brought that look to life. It brought that whole, uh, now I'll have to apologize in advance to all of our uh, nerdy friends out there, but I, I'm going to get the words anime and manga mixed up many times through this conversation. (laughs) Well, you already messed up because you said manga and not manga. So manga. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I lost the card already, man. How many minutes has it been? 11 minutes and 42 Three oh, seconds, yeah. man. I'm done. I'm done. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> Canceled. Yes, Adjourned. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> done. Finished. But yeah, no, I, I think that that drive to push technology forward is very reminiscent to me of uh, of what James Cameron was previously doing with uh, Avatar especially, and uh, to another degree with Terminator as well. You know, I, um, I to kind of piggyback before I, I go into my uh, puzzle piece, to, big, to piggyback off of that... Um, I, I really agree with as far as the the VFX and the way that it was utilized. I don't think that I have ever seen motion or I won't say motion capture. I'll say performance capture as as James Cameron would like to put it himself um, mm-hmm. to this degree. Um, the the harmony between the two. I mean, we've seen a lot of performance capture with you know animation and cartoons and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of different kinds of um, animated works, but this blends it together with you know real humans and and live uh, actors so well and then to top it off to even to even fathom that alita carried the movie while doing performance capture you know capture it's it's um it's amazing looking at her face the the emotions the 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 body movements the, the the body expressions um language is is it's incredible and it really allows you to connect to to a character i i feel in a lot of situations that i connected to alita more so than some of the other characters even those of the 
you know, the live actors as well. Sure. So, you know, that is where I think good VFX that looks nice and really effective VFX and performance capture, that's the line. That's where mm. it's separated. And that's why I think that hands down, no doubt in my mind, this film needs to be Oscar considered. They need to make a spot for this because it's it was incredibly effective. And I think that it really set a lot of bars. Yeah, oh, I mean, I think that the time for that award was back with War for the Planet of the Apes, to be honest. But yeah. I, I think now it's absolutely, uh, again, it's essential that something uh, gets added. It really needs to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why, even just from a purely visual effects point of view, isn't it normally like just three nominees for whatever reason? Mm. I mean, they really need to open up the effects. I mean, effects are a major part of what movies are now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead with my uh, puzzle piece. Sure, go for it. So um, this is going to be another cheat, and then we'll go into some more of the deep cuts, I guess, later on. <laughs> but uh, that would be the Alita Battle Angel uh, OVA, which I guess you could consider it. Um, you guys do TV shows as, as puzzle pieces too, don't you? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean, I guess video games, comics can be puzzle pieces or... Yeah, usually it's like the majority of them are are straight up movies, but then we will throw in a TV show here and there or a game or or even a cultural event sometimes. So yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. Well, the Alita Battle Angel OVA, uh, it came out in the early 2000s, I believe. um, And it was a, I think a two-part, a two-part, essentially a movie, a... Um, OVAs are original video animations and they usually are kind of like extra long episodes and they usually have maybe like two, maybe maybe anywhere from two to five episodes, depending on how, how long the, uh, the, the movie is. Kind of like, um, like a, a limited series kind of, but the, mm-hmm. usually maybe an hour long a piece or something like that. Um, they really managed to capture the essence of the anime Mm. Um, in a lot of great ways um kind of piggybacking again on the whole eyes that they have a lot of people call them anime eyes but the thing Mm -hmm. is if you watch the original anime um a lot of the characters didn't have large eyes they were very narrow very small in some instances um Mm -hmm. or they were you know they were bionic characters so they weren't you know alita's eyes kind of express her humanity because sure. you know, there's a lot of characters that are that aren't flesh and blood, uh, but she kind of stands out because of that. Um, also, uh, narratively speaking, you know, she's a Martian, um, and when you watch the film, they all of the the different Martian characters in the flashbacks also have the same exact eyes. So right. it kind of fulfills multiple purposes. Being that she's the lead character, she's able to um, express the the, uh, I guess, perception of what anime is to the general audience. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who are watching the film and they get the context of it, they understand that her eyes are unique to her DNA in the movie. It's not a meta thing. You know, it has nothing to do with anime or big eyes or anything like that. Right. Um, while at the same time keeping the style and the, um, and the flair of the actual, of that particular anime, because as we know, anime all have different styles. Some eyes are large, some are small, some are are very uh, glossy and shiny. Some are very uh, beady. You know, it just depends on you know what you're what you're watching. Sure, so I feel sure. like they really captured it well. Uh, the brutality of it as well. I was one thing I was kind of concerned about is <clears throat> with these large franchise movies um, when they're adapting something like this. You know, Alita is a very um, very gritty anime. Yeah, and they did a really good job. Uh, I think. Um, capturing that grit while at the same time keeping it within the PG-13 um, you know, realm as well. It really pushes that that yeah. boundary quite a bit. I was surprised. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even, the, um, I, it reminds me of this, uh, the fight between her and uh, Garishka. Mm-hmm. That, I think, pretty much encapsulates, I think, the spirit of the film because she has this, like, she falls down and there's this like spire of light and she's like, you know, descending like an angel. And she has this very like, you know, uh, honorable, very like kind of graceful way about her. And then 
as she starts to fight, she gets more tired and things start to devolve. She starts to become more aggressive until, uh, until she's, you know, doesn't have any arms or legs. And she's yeah. literally growling, you know, at, at Garishka, blood on her, you know, dot puppy blood on her face, stabbing <laughs> him in the eye, you know, throw, you know, shouting obscenities and stuff. So, you know, all that you know, in one scene kind of really encapsulates the film and the anime, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, my puzzle piece would be the uh, the Alita Battle Angel, or actually, uh, as traditionally called, Battle Angel Alita, Ah. Um, if, if it's a direct translation from the Japanese um, OVA. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you actually about that because I, I was like, didn't they call it Battle Angel Alita before? And I couldn't quite, I wasn't sure about that. But yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and I, don't know, I kind of like the way that they they changed it. And the reason why is because if you say Battle Angel Alita, then you're putting emphasis on the Battle Angel Mm-hmm. Right. And with a franchise, the character is the most important thing. So sure. by saying Alita, Battle Angel, you know, it, it, it does a lot of things. It one focuses on the character it makes her the centerpiece of the marketing. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, if you're going to do sequels, you can have Alita colon and you can have a different thing. So this was sure. Battle Angel and then you could have something. So And you can keep Alita there because she's the character. So it... It actually works on a few different levels. Sure. Well, that's a great puzzle piece, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I wish I knew more about the uh, the the whole you know history of the character and all that. But uh, what they did with it turning it into a movie, I mean, it, it clearly must have been a pretty cool OVA. Um, I would imagine with with the kind of the violence and the cool action and the cool sci-fi and all that stuff. It must have been cool. So. Uh, I'm going to go on to my next puzzle piece, which is another uh, anime adaptation and one that also people were incredibly split on. Uh, that is Ghost in the Shell, mm. um, which, of course, had a lot of controversy over the uh, Scarlett Johansson casting. Um, but regardless of all that, um, it was a movie that tried to faithfully adapt an anime into a big Hollywood movie with, you know, the biggest possible budgets and Mm. biggest effects and big, huge action and just, you know, insanely over the top. And uh, to me, honestly, um, while, you know, if I was going to sit here and compare, I would say that I much prefer Alita Battle Angel, but I actually at the time was also a defender of this movie. Um, I, I did enjoy Ghost in the Shell. It had the right level of just crazy over the topness, which is something when it comes to action movies, I really, uh, I really enjoy when, when they just kind of go all out and just like absolutely throw everything at it and just go totally crazy. Mm. And I, I think that this captures a lot of that same kind of spirit in the process of trying to adapt what really is really crazy source material. And it's yeah. a good thing that they didn't try to water it down, even if they did whitewash it, but they, <laughs> but they, but, but they didn't water it down at least. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very interesting because both films are cyberpunk uh, mm-hmm. based on cyberpunk cyberpunk anime slash manga um technically with alita it's actually a manga that was then made into an ova um Mm. and technically this is adapting the manga not the ova so Mm. but as far as it's concerned um it's it's the same story so sure um but yeah uh, both female leads um both both brains in a human body um yep yep it's funny because in a lot of ways with the controversy that was going on with Ghost, Ghost in the Shell, this is kind of like um, like a redemption in that way. And mm-hmm. and to make myself clear, I didn't actually think that there was a problem with the casting in sure. the very same way that I don't think there was any problem with Alita's casting. I think that Alita... And I think there was, I think there was some controversy with Alita's, um, but it was, it was kind of... It was... Um, expunge a little bit quicker um Mm -hmm. alita is obviously a spanish you know hispanic you know uh name Uh, so it's also safe to assume that you know the character was cast appropriately with rosa salazar whereas with ghost in the shell uh with major kusanagi or uh as it was called in the uh the movie 
uh, Kira Killian. And she's had other names in the different uh, adaptations because she takes different bodies, different lives, different mm. people. Um, it's much more muddled. And both films have heavy uh, themes about transhumanism in mm. them, becoming more than human, uh, transcending your body and your identity and what that is and all that. So both films had a lot of that in there. Mm. Uh, but this one, the narrative kind of had like a and a free opening to basically um, like, I guess an excuse to not have to worry about the, the same kind of controversy. So sure, by sure. making this film, instead of making the other one, they got to avoid the same controversy while at the same time, you could argue they did the same thing because they're both Japanese characters mm-hmm. and a Japanese world, you know, well, not so much, it, it, but that's that's the whole point. That's why it's so confusing and so sure and so blah <laughs> because it's like it isn't <laughs> anyway. So the similarities are definitely there, and um, that's a good point. That's a great piece. Right on, right on. So uh, what do you got for your next one? Um, so um, this one's a more recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a, I guess you could say, an obtuse comparison, but I think that it embraces a lot of the same ideas thematically, uh, that'd be Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, it's funny because uh, James Cameron came out and said some things about Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. <that> got- <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Cameron. <laughs> and um, that I will not say that I do not disagree with um, mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. regardless, um, I have been a vocal as I am about everything, as you know, from any of the exiles were quite vocal, uh, <laughs> um, that I've been a vocal, um, proponent of the idea that Alita kind of actually does what Wonder Woman was trying to do better. Um, both are kind of these, you know, bright eyed, um, youthful women with a heart of a warrior, a spirit of a warrior that are that are they're sent to a land that is that's brutal that's that's harsh and they basically refuse to let it change them right right you know um the whole idea of the battle angel and then of course you know the themiscarian demigods and all that are very divine in nature so that also is another similarity between the two um the whole i the whole themes of divinity and you know, are kind of in there as well. And uh, acceptance and I- identity, all those things are very, very similar. Um, coming of age, you could even say, um, there's some sure. themes that are also similar there too. Um, the action um, and even the love story actually is very similar. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's kind of funny because, you know, he made those comments and he came out with Alita and... Like I said, I'd argue that if you were going to make an argument that he's saying, hey, I'm going to do this better. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty good argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got to say, I got to say you're right on that. And I think it's a great puzzle piece. And uh, you're right. All those themes are are totally there within both movies. And it's, it's interesting that they both would uh, kind of you know, go for similar ideas and stuff like that. But it is a, it's a great story. And there's, you know, it makes sense that so many movies would, uh, would look, look at a a female hero from this kind of a perspective. I I think, I think it's a cool thing. Uh, And just one note about that, uh, the love story angle is uh, Hugo is no Chris Pine. Oh, I just want to say that. I think I I mentioned this on Twitter actually, but no, no, aside from that, no, because yeah, Chris Pine did an amazing job. Gal Gal did a good job and you know what it's like I'm not a huge fan of the Wonder Woman film I'm not like I'm not like bashing it necessarily I Mm. I guess I kind of am I won't apologize for that but uh, it was an enjoyable film I watched it twice um, you know day uh, back to back and uh, and it's a good film for sure Mm. Um, but yeah no Chris Pine you can't replace him I mean, oh, like, great. shoot, they're trying to resurrect the guy, you know, pull him out of the grave, you know, so. <laughs> you kind of have to. I mean, he needs to be there, you know. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Wonder Woman, I, uh, I, I think, is a collection of great scenes 
with not a particularly great movie around it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's a good movie, though. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, you know, wax poetic too much on this, but I think that the the reason why I say that the themes were done better in Alita, just so I'm not all lip service, I'm actually explaining what my, my point is, sure. is that the idea is that, you know, they, they need to discover, come to a realization, right, mm-hmm. that the world is cruel and it's not going to change them. But the world, you can't necessarily change the world. That was that was a strong theme in Wonder Woman, and it's a strong theme in Alita. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, at the end of Wonder Woman, and we can get into all the the conspiracies and whatever. It, it, none of that really matters. But I, it didn't feel sincere because at the end of Wonder Woman, as we all know, uh, they kill uh, Ares the God of war and all the soldiers on the field are literally hugging it out. You know, they're all, Mm -hmm. they're all friends. And it's like, and then she's, you know, has this monologue at the end and she's jumping toward the screen. And it's like, I'm one of them. I'll always be there. And as we know, this is, this film takes place into a, uh, in a continuity where shortly after this, she actually leaves for uh, like a hundred years. Yeah. She leaves for a hundred years after this because uh, she was disillusioned and she was depressed and she she felt like she had disdain for humanity. So she left and she didn't, she went away, she disappeared for a hundred years and she she comes back in Batman v Superman. Um, mm-hmm. So it, we know, knowing that it broke the narrative and mm-hmm. it didn't make sense. It didn't feel sincere in the moment. So there's some, there was some something going on there. I don't know what it is, but it, it didn't feel right to me. But with Alita, um, you know, she has to, come to grips with the fact that Hugo, um, you know, her human lover in the situation uh, is, is basically breaking down people like her for pieces and selling them because he mm. wants to get to Zalem. Yeah. And this, he's kind of representative of how, you know, uh, I guess Iron City, you know, take sucks the soul out of people and forces them to become, this you know this darkness in order to survive and at the end he does turn around but the more bittersweet ending i think kind of complements the 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 duality of the situation how you know her goodness isn't going to always you know solve all the problems so mm-hmm. I think that bittersweet ending really, even though I didn't like the character as much, I think that, you know, the acting and the performance capture did a really good job at kind of hammering that theme home. So yeah, I won't, makes a lot I won't of blab sense. on too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think Wonder Woman's a great puzzle piece. Um, I am going to move on to my next one. And it is also a relatively new movie. It is Ex Machina. Mm. Um and I think that uh, looking at Ex Machina as a movie about, um, you know, the, the nature of AI and, uh, and, and robotics and, and how, how this can fit into modern society, I think Alita is, is kind of continuing those kind of themes in a lot of ways about what AI and what AI's place can be in our society and living amongst humans and and what it means to really uh be a human or be you know cyborg or be whatever you know uh what's what's the word um singularity um yeah and and trying to trying to uh trying to look at that what the future looks like with that mm-hmm. and of course we're we're talking about it in the uh you know, in the framework of a big, huge action movie based on a anime and all that stuff, but still, it is it is playing with a lot of those themes and trying to uh, trying to see what a future where that happens could look like, and you know what it really would mean, and 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 the uh, the downfalls it would mean for people, because mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a huge uh, it's a huge change for humanity, really, and and whether or not people are really. Uh, ready to deal with that, I think is a big thing that kind of plays a big part in this movie. Sure. And you also have the themes about, you know, man and machine, like in in Ex Machina, uh, the machine was basically seducing the, one of the guys, you know, there. And um, he was questioning, you know, can, uh, can a human love a cyborg, you know, (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. or can a cyborg love a human, you know? 
uh, same kind of themes that were in um, that were in Alita. Also, yeah. um, kind of the the attitude of the character, you know, Alicia Vikander's character. I forgot what her name was. Was it Eve? I believe so. I'm pretty sure. But Alicia, Alicia Vikander's character was very, um, you know, had that kind of bright eyed, kind of uh, naive attitude literally born yesterday kind of uh attitude you know same thing as alita does you know having no memory of her past so they both kind of had the same arcs in that regard it was ava just remembered ah ava (laughs) yeah close close enough close enough (laughs) but yeah no absolutely and um uh also, another thing, I mean, just a very surface level, but I think the uh, the combination of human elements with with robot elements mm. uh, it's kind of done in a little bit of a similar way, like a lot of uh, a lot of the same uh, artistic influence, I think. Mm-hmm. So right on. What do you got for your next puzzle piece? Um, I mean, you're starting to dry me out here. Okay. Um, I'm thinking uh, something else that's kind of recent would be Ready Player One. Um, Ready Player One kind of has, once again, kind of a transhumanist kind of, um, you know, themes and ideology there as well. Um, You know, Alita is is looking for this perfect body to kind of match her warrior spirit, you know, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And in Ready Player One, you have this, uh, the main character, he's trying to find like the best VR setup, you know, and at the end of the day, it's really the player that matters and not, you know, not his avatar <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. or, or, or his equipment or whatever he's using. Um, so, you know, those themes are, are, are kind of similar too. Um, the, the VFX world that they that kind of created with both of them, um, there's a lot of world building and a lot of things to see, a lot of things to take in, um, mm. as there also is in, uh, in Alita as well. Um, so I'd say, you know, both those kind of have that similar kind of vibe, a similar kind of feel and some of the same themes too. Sure. Absolutely. You know, what? that's actually, um, I'm going to jump straight into my next one, uh, because it's kind of a great setup for it. Uh, you know, talking about those, uh, the, the futuristic vibes and stuff like that. Um, and this one's kind of a little bit silly, but it's Demolition Man. And I, I feel like right, Alita, the, right now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the, the world of Alita, it kind of takes a step beyond like something like an Ex Machina, which feels very, uh, very near future. And it goes to a kind of further distant future where there's a lot of um, just incredibly sci-fi ideas going mm-hmm. on and just some just like almost like I want to say rules almost of of the world that it's building and uh some of them kind of make you go like like where do they where do they even come up with that you know <laughs> and like and just kind of throwing these things yeah. together you know also Alita feels very 90s yeah 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 it has a very like 90s vibe to it like all the way down to like the uh like the, the 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 teen kind of YA kind of vibe, you know, you get, um, and just the the dialogue too. It feels, I won't say like I won't say dated, but it just has that vibe. I, it's really hard to put a finger on it. You know, maybe you know what I'm talking about. I absolutely do, and I think a big part of that is look at the people behind it: Robert Rodriguez and, mm, and yeah. James Cameron, yeah. two huge, huge names of the '90s. Um, I mean, that's where the the biggest stuff that they did, you know, came out. And I I think they both still have that in them. I don't think either of them have completely moved on. They push the limits and they they adapt here and there in mm. their their approaches to the, this kind of filmmaking, but when it comes down to it, they are products of the 90s. Also, I I, I misspoke earlier. So the Alita OVA didn't come out in the, the early 2000s. It came out in 1993, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, so it, it is not a product of the 90s, so that cool. also has something to do with it. Also, if my memory serves me correct, um, James Cameron has been working on this film for 20 years. Oh yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, he went over to, uh, he took a trip over to Japan. He came back, he talked with his friend, Gilmero del Toro about adapting the manga that he read when he went over there Mm -hmm. uh, in 99. Uh, And, um, you know, they kind of discussed it over. John said he would take the project. Uh, Avatar came up later and he decided to uh, entrust 
uh, Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez right. to, um, to helm the project. So, you know, the, the, the project had been like the script and all that had been floating around for close to, you know, two decades. So a lot of the influence from that time, the anime also contributed to that. Yeah, I remember, um, yeah, 99. I remember when I first moved to Vegas, 98, and I I had this one weekend, and I ended up watching Terminator 2 two times back-to-back. And I was just like, I was just having a real Terminator weekend. And I was like so <laughs> into it. And I was, like, I was like, what the hell is Cameron up to right now? And so I looked it up, and I found that, yeah, that this is something he had been uh, developing at the time, and I was looking forward to it. And then it just never came. And then, you know, eventually Avatar came, and, mm-hmm. you know, and here we are now. But <laughs> do, you, do you think that uh, a sequel is going to happen? I hope so, man. I really, really do. I mean, you know, I I think obviously I would almost take a couple of points away from the movie for how hard it pushed for a sequel. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like so much of it is setting up the next movie. Um, and and I, I that does annoy me when when these kind of movies, you know, obviously Marvel is the biggest defender of that, you know, um, but it does annoy me when that yeah. happens, when when so much of the movie is to is based around setting up the franchise. Um, but I really hope it does happen. I hope yeah. we get more of this story. I mean, they put so much into it and they clearly care about it, you yeah. know, and I want I want to see them get to do more with it yeah so uh does that bring you any puzzle yeah. pieces left i'm uh i'm puzzle pieced okay. out <laughs> that's that's cool man that is all right um i was just going to mention one last one um and that is the matrix Mm. Um, there are a lot of the action moments kind of reminded me of, uh, what the Wachowskis were doing back with the matrix. Yes. Um, and a- as well as, you know, some of the, some of the themes about, you know, humanity and like, you know, like, you know, what being a human is and, you know, all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, mainly though, looking at the action moments, I think there's a, there's a lot of influence there and the way that, uh, the matrix kind of changed the game for action. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, uh, with my first puzzle piece that James Cameron is, you know, when he makes a movie, he's not just making a movie. He's trying to push things forward. And I think he, uh, I think he'd have to be looking back at just how big of an impact the matrix had and wanting to do a similar thing in the world of action. You know, the, that scene, once again, with uh, the fight with Grishka, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the slow motion, like dodge rolls and flips and all that. I mean, they were, you know, that that's kind of the benefit of being able to take, these uh performance capture but then when you need to go complete cg and mm. you know you basically have con- complete control over where the camera is because sure you can basically you know place it anywhere in the cg environment and they did a really good job uh, kind of transitioning in and out of that yeah and uh it was pretty spectacular so yeah definitely I, like i can see the, the matrix vibes there and i think it takes a really skilled director um i mean i don't know I, I like a lot of Robert Rodriguez's stuff, but certainly not all of it. So I, I don't think that he's someone who I'd normally be like praising this heavily. But uh, but I, I do think to have that ability and to show some restraint mm-hmm. is really impressive because he seemed like somebody who might be like, OK, James Cameron just gave me this huge playground to play in, you know, yes. and and just put any camera angles I want. And then all of a sudden we're just like throwing up in the theater because everything is moving so fast and it's just so all over the place, mm-hmm. but he actually doesn't do that. He, he's very restrained and he makes sure to really be, uh, pulling off, you know, good action sequences, not just crazy action sequences. Yeah. And, and I think it was interesting that, uh, there was an article I read, I believe it was from entertainment weekly. I think it was, um, don't quote me on that. Mm. But they were kind of talking about the history of both filmmakers and kind of how they contributed, you know, how it contributed to the actual uh, end product of the film. Mm. Uh, on one end, you have Cameron, who is a uh, he is a designer. He's like a designer, and sure. he thinks very uh, from a standpoint of um, how are things going to work. What pieces go where? What's the implications of this? Uh, the the you know the uh, all the scientific aspects and mm-hmm. and all that, right? How it all comes together, right? And then on the other end, um, Rodriguez is an illustrator. He's actually sure. a cartoonist, and he is more about being expressive and 
and very dynamic, you know? And I think that that really comes into play. Like when I was watching Alita, I really appreciated small things. Like when she's playing motorball and Mm. they throw that heavy ball and she grabs it and, you know, she kind of jerks back. And when she's moving, she's kind of slower and lumbering because you you, you can really feel the weight there, you know, in Mm. that scene, you know, that, that kind of has that very practical um, mentality to it. When she jumps into the water and you, she kind of slows down, she hits the ground, the dust plumes up and she's, you know, as she's walking through, it feels very practical. And then it seems Mm. like, you know, her versus Gruishka, you know, she can jump around and, and like float. You know, she can jump super high, land from any distance, um, you know, jump off of walls and and spin in the air. And she's, you know, she's very, uh, very free, very much like an anime character in that moment. So that's uh. kind of that like cartoonist kind of vibes there. I, I'd like to imagine my head canon is that uh, James Cameron kind of grounded the movie. But then in those like really extravagant, you know, over the top moments, that's where uh, Rodriguez came in and really did his work. Sure. Yeah. No. That, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm gonna go ahead and do the finished puzzle for Alita: Battle Angel, and then we will uh, get to any of our closing thoughts on the movie. Um, so the finished puzzle includes Avatar, the Battle Angel Alita OVA, Ghost in the Shell, Wonder Woman, Ex Machina, Ready Player One, Demolition Man, and The Matrix. Um, so, uh, I got a, you know, a couple closing thoughts and we'll see what you got too. Um, the, the first thing I just wanted to mention is we didn't ever, I don't believe bring up Christoph Waltz or Mahershala Ali, uh, oh, yeah. or, or Jennifer Connelly for that matter. I mean, uh, three great performances, people having a blast yes, doing this. You know? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I really, they all really brought something to the really brought to the role. I think that, um, you know, I'll, I really have to hand it, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, Rosa, but I really have to hand it to the entire cast. I mean, Christoph Waltz, you know, if you look at a lot of his other roles, you don't really necessarily see him as like a paternal figure. Sure, <laughs> <Always>. sure. <laughs> um, and, and to be honest, you know, I haven't seen a lot of his other work. So mm-hmm. when I came into this, I didn't really have that um, in the back of my mind. I didn't have that baggage really uh, with his with his uh, performance. It, it really came off sincere to me. You know, yeah. it really did a great job. And I think that um, characters like you know Jennifer Connelly and Mahershala Ali, you know, playing uh, it was uh, Cheerin and Vector. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have a lot to do, mm-hmm. um, but what they did have, they really brought brought uh they're all and they really brought like a really nice dynamic and like character to it i remember when you first see i believe vector uh if you're you're looking at the from the perspective of hugo and he's in the he's in the back of this limousine and he kind of like does this thing where he kind of spreads his legs apart and he kind of has his hands together and he's kind of does this like you know head tilted kind of like (laughs) <laughs> stare thing you know and you know his glasses on looking all you know cool and uh just little moments like that really kind of gave you an idea of who these characters were and uh they all really brought brought it so. oh absolutely yeah i, I love marshall in this he's he's it, it's a character man it's such a character mm. and uh you know one of my favorite parts of the movie i just wanted to like kind of bring it up real Please. quick is tor- towards the end when uh when we're in his uh office room and he reveals that he's got uh, Jennifer Connelly's brain and eyeballs and all that oh, in the tank. Yeah. That was so funny, dude. Like I, I died. I was like, this is like, this is like being in, uh, like being in like a silly Halloween haunted house, mm. but the sci-fi version of it. And I was like, this rules. I'm in. I'm in. Well, you know what's great? What's so great about about you, uh, Dave, is that you can watch something. And and I believe it. Like that wasn't necessarily supposed to be funny, but right, you found right, that it's yeah. humorous, and it's like it's that's like a plus. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Every movie needs a little bit of humor in it, right? So, yeah. well, you know, I, I thought that it, I thought that it worked. I mean, you know, they've shown that this film can play fast and loose with, you know, I guess your uh, 
your suspension of disbelief, you know? Sure. And I, I think when I first watched that scene, I thought that the implication was that she was actually still alive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, that like, you know, she was, that her, her pieces were all put together inside of a box being like, you know, supported um, by some sort of like machine basically. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, but then, you know, if her body parts are being sent up, you know, for someone else's use, then obviously she's not. So, right. <laughs> or she won't be. So, you know, and at the point, I think the whole point was that, you know, does it really matter? Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> this is just, this is just crazy villain shit, basically. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was definitely, I didn't know what to think at the time. I was like, oh, that's, that's something. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> So funny. So great. So uh, you got any other uh, closing thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, No, not really. Um, it, it's such a great film. I, um, I actually got to watch this film two weeks ahead of time uh, at an IMAX uh, early screening, like a fan mm-hmm. screening. And, um, and then I watched it again later, also again in IMAX. And I just, uh, I encourage anyone who is listening to this podcast who hasn't yet seen it, to absolutely, if there's still a dollar show or something, like watch it on the biggest screen with the best sound system you can. Yeah, um, it's 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 spectacular. It's um, it's really spectacular. I some of the scenes, like the one that the chase scene when they when uh, Alita broke out of the motorball tournament to go find Hugo, and she was on mm-hmm. that rail, and the wind was blowing, and I mean, just wow, full moon, oh, yeah. and she's dodging and like just. It, it uh poof it just gets fantastic. me all my feelings it's fantastic so <laughs> so please Absolutely. please give this this is uh this is the cinematic event of the year uh, maybe next to godzilla so definitely check it out i love this movie i'm glad we finally got to do this episode uh mike you got a movie you watched recently other than alita that you would like to recommend to the listeners um recently uh yeah um let me think here. Godzilla IMAX. Um, definitely check that out. Um, Dark Phoenix. Don't listen to anyone who naysays. Go ahead and watch that film. <laughs> we just recorded an episode and, uh, well, actually by the time this episode goes up, it'll have already been up, but, uh, yeah, we, we recorded an episode. Mm. I like Dark Phoenix. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. It was fun. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's not a perfect movie. Um, and right. you'll, there's plenty of, of, uh, positive and negative things to hear out there, but, um, it's super unique. I mean, you have a first-time director at the helm. You have Hans Zimmer. You have mm-hmm. uh, Mauro Fiore as the cinematographer. Um, and then you have, of course, this all-star cast in this franchise that is kind of out of place in time and space and culture. So it's just really strange and different. I say go watch it. Uh, if not to get a conclusion to this uh, to this story and to this arc of, um, you know, uh, of X-Men stories, uh, just to see what the the talk is about. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I, I I think it's absolutely worth watching. So, uh, Mike, would you like to uh, plug your podcast and all that? Uh, absolutely. Um, so you're going to be able to find us uh, on the Twitter verse <laughs> at the <laughs> Film Exiles. We have a network account that we kind of because um, we have other podcasts as well. We have the Ronin Council for anime. Uh, we also have Gray Area where we have. Um, Gray from Not the Popular Opinion. He gives um, some short little, I guess you could say, uh, uh, audible uh, vocal essays um, on different subjects uh, to do with film and other uh, entertainment like that, which is great. And a few other projects that we're working on as well. Um, You can catch all of that from either the podcast websites or you can just go to uh, at the Exiles Net, which is the network uh, uh, Twitter um, handle. And you can get all that uh, updates there uh we're on we have a website actually it's going to be the exiles network.wordpress.com um we actually have a few scoops if you uh haven't heard it kind of made the rage on the internet um we were the Mm -hmm. ones to break the news about ray porter being uh dark side we were first on that so um are we going to stay in this in the scoop game who knows but uh (laughs) you can read out you know that and other editorial there at theexilesnetwork.wordpress.com. And also, of course, my Twitter handle would be uh, I'm Millennial Mike at Velcro16. That's V-E-L-V-E-L-K-R-O-1-6. 
as Velcro spelled wrong with a K. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you and your uh, exiles, you guys stay stay active on that film Twitter because uh, you're, you're some, some cool people, and I am glad to get you on the show, and I'd love to have you on again sometime. Absolutely. It was, it was a blast. Hey, guys. Taylor here from CultureofGaming.com's Power Up podcast. The Power Up Podcast is the podcast put together by the staff of CultureofGaming.com, a gaming news, review, and opinions website. The staff comes together each week at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Twitch.tv slash CultureofGaming to discuss all the latest gaming news, trends, and latest content on the site. And if you're looking for more places to check out the podcast, head on over to Twitter at COG.net and check us out on Facebook where we are at Facebook.com slash CultureofGaming and facebook.com slash power up podcast we hope to see you guys come over and check out the show all right that does it for our conversation about alita battle angel we finally got to do an episode on this movie i'm so excited about it i am looking forward to watching it again one of these days i think uh might be almost time for me to finally buy a 4k tv and maybe this will be the first movie i watch on it that would be pretty damn awesome uh but if you haven't watched it before i do recommend it um you know know what you're getting getting into it i mean if you've gotten this far in the episode you've already heard us talk about it you kind of know the kind of movie it is and what to expect from it so uh you know go in with a uh, a mindset of getting a crazy over-the-top anime based video game super robot action crazy movie from robert rodriguez and james cameron you should know what you're getting so Let's uh, close this thing out. I do want to remind you, as always, to please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. Uh, you could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, which would be really awesome if you did that. And even better would be if you shared the podcast. You could share us on any of your social medias, and we would really appreciate that. Uh, we have been getting so many new listeners lately, and it's just really awesome that people are out there listening. And uh, we want to just keep making a great show for you guys so definitely get in touch if you uh enjoy the show we'd love to hear your thoughts and uh maybe you'd even like to be on the show sometime if you would hey get in touch with me maybe we'll uh be able to schedule something so there's lots of movies coming up so we're gonna need lots of co-hosts so that does it for today let's leave you guys with a piece of music like we always do here on piecing it together this is actually a track from my album, Head Like Fire. It's a song called Free Fall, and I think it would fit in a movie like Alita quite well. It also happens to be the theme song of our other podcast, Bird Road, which you should check out, as well as piecing it together. As well as our new podcast, Awesome Movie Year, that just launched. That's a lot of stuff for you guys to check out. Check out the album, Head Like Fire, while you're at it. Just keep checking stuff out. There's so much for you to check out. Let's go to the music, and we'll be back soon with more Piecing It Together.
and All Points West. 